When you need your work truck to work as hard as you do, trust Delphi Technologies to deliver the parts built for the toughest work environments. From construction sites to long distance hauling, go with the aftermarket supplier known for its 100 plus years of OE heritage and expertise. Go to DelphiAftermarket.com today. I am Zara Wishloff from APD Automotive Parts Distributors, and this is the Great Canadian Aftermarket Podcast. Hello, everybody. It's Andrew Ross, your host. Now, the automotive aftermarket, uh, for those who are in it, uh, certainly has a lot of personal benefit. You know, it's a great group of people, uh, a lot of community sense, gives you an opportunity to do things in your communities and certainly provide what is uh, officially regarded as an essential business for communities all across Canada. But not to be forgotten is the fact that it's also a place where business investment is uh, regarded to be sound. It is, while not uh, necessarily uh, every business uh, recession-proof as an industry, it certainly is a strong and vital part of our economy. Joining me today uh, is Zara Wishloff. Now, Zara has been a part of the aftermarket for a long time uh, and has recently become the owner of the auto parts distributor, APD Automotive Distributors, which has focused its locations out west. But I wanted to bring him on board to talk about how the aftermarket, particularly at the distribution level, can be viewed as a, as a sound investment, considering he has just made what he certainly hopes will be a very sound investment. Zara, welcome. Thank you, Andrew. Nice to be here. So, you know, this is a very new from an ownership standpoint for you, but this is certainly not not the start of, of your journey. We talked a little bit about how that began. Uh, so maybe you can share your story of uh, how your aftermarket journey began and, and how it led up to uh, to an ownership situation. Sure. Um, well, I've always been in the aftermarket um, my entire career, basically right out of high school. Uh, even in high school, my work experience was selling auto parts or uh, at a local truck stop. So that was my, what I had as a, as a kind of part-time job experience thing. Um, and then right out of high school, I, I was working at a distribution center. So UAP, what then uh, turned into Napa or UAP Napa through the years. So um, I got exposed to that, uh, basically that merger in the West. Uh, so it was kind of uh, interesting to watch business, but uh, I basically started uh, there at the warehouse level and then worked my way up uh, throughout uh, different jobs at Napa and middle management jobs, and then uh, got to work for a manufacturer for a while and then uh, a jobber. So I kind of worked uh, all the levels of the industry. So it got me exposed, uh, not only to learn about how, how business works, um, but uh, just all, what what's expected at all, all of the different levels, whether it's the manufacturer, the WD or the, the jobber. So it, it was a very good experience. Yeah. Now, the idea of uh, ownership, is that something that came to you uh, later on in your career? Or is it something that you had in mind kind of from the beginning? It it has been, and those that uh, probably know me through, <laughs> has been a journey of mine from the start. Now, of course, uh, when I mentioned I was young, obviously I had limited equity. Um, so, uh, And I also started a family quite young. So uh, I had a couple things going against me uh, to, to just, uh, I wasn't like a second generation um, automotive guy, right? So, which many of us are. So I, I had to work, I had to scrounge and, uh, and uh, fight my way through to get there. But I, I had uh, lots of opportunities through there. I shouldn't say, I, I explored lots of different opportunities through the year. Couldn't pull the trigger on some. Uh, some just were the wrong deal. Um, 
but even from my early days, uh, I was definitely trying to get into some sort of ownership or uh, partnership. I'm just uh, always been entrepreneurial. And basically, I, I kind of one of those guys wired to work long hours and, and I get passionate about what I'm doing. Um, but you, you get a point, to a point where you want to benefit from, from that work, right? And uh, I recognize that early. And it's taken a long time, longer than I maybe would have wanted. But uh, hopefully, will it work out and talk to me in five years? <laughs> I suppose, yeah. Now, you know, one of the things that, that uh, we talked very briefly, you know, about is this being a sound in investment. It sounds like, you know, when you were, even when you had decided that, hey, you know, I, I, I want to be in an ownership position of a business, it wasn't just any business that you wanted to do, because there are some folks out there, they're just like, you know what, I just want to be a business owner. And it doesn't really matter. It could have been, you know, something else entirely. It sounds like you've been pretty laser focused on on this business. Can you explain a little bit about your thinking there and, and what maybe others can take from that about the, the potential for uh, uh, entrepreneurialism in this industry? Oh, 100%. Um, there were times, I'm, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, in this industry, there was times, because uh, one of the other things is years ago, I was very tech savvy. And that was before the uh, internet bubble and, and people really took off that way. And I, I used to second guess, am I in the right industry? Am I doing the right thing? Um, because there are times where, where you, you wondered. And I think, um, actually, I had a conversation with a headhunter years ago that was uh, trying to recruit me for a job. And, and one of the things at the time was just I could foresee all this change coming and didn't really like the change. Um, it kind of it worried me a little bit. I, we, we weren't necessarily the, the same paying as other industries. Um, but... Uh, the conversation kind of uh, paraphrasing it was kind of like, well, what industry do you think isn't changing? And, and, you know, as I thought about it and looked around, it was kind of eye opening. It's like whether you're library or like everyone was facing this massive, like the world was changing, not, uh, not my industry. Um, so really that was kind of an eye opener and it kept me uh, kind of focused. And uh, that's when I kind of realized that I, I like this industry and, and it's, it's good for me. And, and uh, it's actually very stable. You mentioned earlier about the recession proof and, we kind of are that that industry. So when times are good, people we, we do well, and when times are bad, it actually we were a little cushioned from that. I, I would think selling alcohol would be about the only other one that was close to to doing to doing well when times are bad. But um, it it really made me comfortable uh, about the, the decision I was making. And back then, um, I was volunteering a lot with AIA at that time, doing a lot of school presentations to kids about uh, because our our industry had a stigma, uh, has had uh, it was worse before. Um, and I used to, to have that discussion about in our generation to these kids, it was like, you'll look out your window and there will be cars moving down the street and what form they take, it might be different and what you're selling might be different, but they have moving parts and moving parts where, so there's an industry here. So, um, so it was kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm preaching it. I'm, I'm doing the school things. Uh, it became easier to just kind of walk the talk and, and stay in the industry. Sure. Yeah. Now, certainly it's a changing industry. And, and I know that the one of the elements that that uh, we hadn't really talked in advance about this, but I mean, APD, they have a, you know, a dedicated training center. Uh, they're, they're, they try and make sure that they're connected with their customers. Obviously, these are all things that are, I think, values across uh, across the industry. Uh, but it, it, you know, you, you do need those elements, right? Oh, 100 percent. Like, I think because I was entrepreneurial and and look so when I when I was dealing with ASPs and service providers, I, I would I would kind of picture because I've even considered buying or running a shop at, at different times, and if the opportunity was there, I would I would have right. So um, a lot of times, and then I sit down on the training um, 
with these clients and, and you get excited about their business because you can see if they, you know, if they focus on the business, uh, what the potential is there. Um, so uh, when you're exposed to that, um, I kind of look at it. So when we offer the training, it's more like that's what I would want. Um, that's how I help grow. So I kind of put myself in the shoes of a, of a shop and, um, and that's sort of the idea of our, our training division. Um, I mean, we're, we're far from the only people offering training. I think the industry does, does fairly well it needs to because there's so much change happening so you have the technical side where there's a ton of uh, information and training that these shops have to keep up with to be relevant and then there's the business side and uh, that's uh, obviously important and uh, we've been through this before but there's a lot of uh, businesses out there um, where the shop owner was just a good tech um, that bought the shop bought the shop or bought the business and uh, it's a different skill set totally from from being a good technician to, to running a business. So I kind of get passionate about watching and watching people figure that out and, and watch them change their, their livelihoods by focusing on the business. So Sure, sure. Yeah. One of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on as a guest is that there's a tendency certainly to look at the, and again, I, I'm sure you do too, or respect the really large, uh, you know, international players uh, that are, are in distribution in Canada. Uh, but there are opportunities right for for different sizes of business and different levels of of uh you know bringing you know if you're going to serve the customers you can you can make a go of it right i, I believe that's like any business right um the bigger players are needed uh i've been involved in corporations uh i know that side of the, the world uh they're a big slow machine um they, they have lots of offerings uh, and there's a lot of strengths from from the way they go to market and uh and that works well and always just it's not just our industry but in other industries too um, sometimes being a little smaller a little more nimble um, you can adapt a little quicker um, for when these massive changes happen in the industry um, when when you are the big uh, big machine it takes a while longer to to adapt to, to the customer clients needs at, at times right so um, i think we're in a unique situation where we can coexist we have both uh, and again i don't think that's necessarily unique to the automotive industry but uh but it's just a, it's a business thing for sure. Sure. Yeah. And of course I said, I, you know, one of the things I just think it, it, you know, bears repeating and reminding folks that, uh, you know, even as consolidation, you know, in, in a lot of industries, as you mentioned, uh, you know, is taking, taking hold, there are, there is room for, for a lot of different players. Right. And, and, uh, you know, if you bring the, to market a good level, a strong level of service and concern for the customer base, it's a good investment, right. And, and you can grow the business and, and work in the business, make a profit, et cetera, et cetera. You know, hopefully we have a little fun along the way too, right? Oh, a hundred, a hundred percent. Uh, that's what, when, when you get, uh, especially when you, uh, align yourself with, with good people. Um, it, this, this can be a fun industry. Um, and you can kind of, it's that work hard, play hard sort of idea. And when you see that you're making a difference and you kind of co-celebrate with, uh, you know, when you're, you're part of the client's business and you're with the proper manufacturers and they are out there, uh, they're part of the whole, uh, journey. We're all helping each other. Right. So, um, we're, the, we're kind of the con conduit of that. And, um, it's, it's, uh, it's fun to be, fun to be a part of that for sure. Now, if you could, if you could talk to, you know, 17 year old Zara Wishloff and he's, you know, out sleeping the floors at the, at the, the parts warehouse, what advice would you impart to him that might've helped you get to this place? Uh, I don't know, maybe smooth the road a little bit, maybe a little earlier, maybe not, maybe just stick it out. I don't know. What do you, what would you tell, uh, what would you tell a younger, a younger self? You know, that's a, that's a tricky question. Um, but, and, and when I look back and when I look th through my journey, 
Um, I think part of where I was fortunate is I, I actually had a bunch of mentors, so I, I almost don't have to, um, to, to make believe that I'm back there because I actually seeked out and people helped me along the way with, with a lot of good advice. Um, so I, I, I think if anything, it's, it's a bit of patience, um, for sure, because things work out. And there was times in my career, it was, it's sort of, um, you know, the advice I give to my kids and to, to uh, some of the youth in, in our organization is sometimes that bigger picture look and, and have some patience. Um, one of the examples when I worked for, for Napa, I was their credit manager for a year. Um, I wasn't an accountant by any stretch. So at the time I was, my salary would have been, I think there were some people in the warehouse that technically were making more like by an hourly wage than me. And I was handling millions of dollars at the desk and doing a, you know, a pretty important job. Um, but it, it was a bit of a trade-off, right? Because if the corporation was going to pay the salary of what the job may be you know, entitled it, they would have an actual account. And, you know, it had a lot of qualifications that I did not have. And, and a lot of schooling I would have needed. So, so in those cases, it's a, it's sort of a win-win um, where you work through it. Um, now, what I noticed with some people is they get so focused on, on the amount of what they're doing currently um, without playing into that, that kind of uh, experience they're gaining um, through that. Uh, so you kind of, again, have to look at the big picture. Don't get focused on that one kind of segment. So I always kind of ran, especially when I was younger, uh, it was like, if I wasn't learning or growing, um, then I moved. That's the time to move on. So once I ever got in a rut where it's like, okay, I got this figured out. You just, so if I ever got felt like I was just putting in time, uh, that's generally when I tried to get more responsibility or change. And even if it was sort of a lateral move or just some new experience, I, I kind of tried to always be uh, reinventing myself or, or relearning new tools. Well, that that's actually re some really great lessons in there about five, five or six lessons all in the, in, in uh, two or three minutes there, you know, about, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, taking a view that, it, you know, looking at, looking at the donut and not, you know, as you say, you know, there are probably folks out there say, you know, I don't, I don't really want to be a credit, I'm not a credit manager, I'm not an accountant. If I wanted to be an accountant, I would have gone to be an accountant, you know, the flip side of that saying, hey, look, here's a, a level of experience I would never have had with my qualifications. Isn't it great? To be able to understand this part of the business and have the 100%. opportunity to learn about that side of the business and how these systems operate and and uh, especially you know as an owner uh, being a credit having a background an understanding of of uh, accounts receivable is uh, critically important. It it is, and you know I've generally been on the sales side in the industry, uh, sales driven marketing type guy, um, but. You know, and usually your sales and your accounting are not at odds, but they, they have different views. And uh, that experience, you know, whether it was just like if I was putting an account on hold for a reason um, when I was doing the accounting side and you could have a, a store manager override that or something, it was always I could see how disruptive it was to what we were trying to accomplish. And uh, because on the sales side, you don't care. You just want to keep selling and selling. And right. uh, if the money's not coming in, it's kind of not my concern. Just let me sell more. Uh, so I think having that experience always helped when I was running sales forces through the years um, and working with accounts receivable, the one thing that I always had, I'm very cognizant of is I never try to overstep their authority um, when right. someone is in that AR position. Um, and that's been, you know, and that's hard. Sometimes you, your instinct is to say, Hey, they're doing the wrong thing here or something. So I always, um, and I think that's definitely helped him. It's helped in my last two jobs for sure yeah, uh, is yeah. just knowing and respecting kind of that role um, at the same time as as still kind of trying to drive the sales and, and sure. maybe and those are, in some know. rules or, or whatever we try. Yeah, I mean, that's just obviously one element that I've picked out there. And, 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 you know, it's, I don't want to kind of be 
the the downer about just the hey let's talk about you know the importance of getting accounts receivable in but it's certainly you know it sounds like uh one of the things that i think can describe your experience uh coming up through this is that it's been quite varied i mean as you mentioned there's been a focus on the sales and on the marketing side of things a lot too but that you've had your foot in the water in a lot of different areas to understand the breadth of the business and and uh you know, uh, that sounds like it's a pretty important uh, element in being able to be successful, uh, you know, at the top of the the operation now. Would, would you agree that that's a pretty fair statement? Yeah, I think in any business now, you do need to be uh, extremely well-rounded in all aspects of it, right? You can't really just be have one key strength. I think um, we're, we're wearing multiple hats and we have to run multiple divisions and and they are all kind of unique. So the more, I think the street level experience really does make a difference. And in this, in this, in this industry, um, the same goes for uh, my, my experience working as a manufacturer's rep um, and, you know, sitting in on strategic planning meetings for Canada for, you know, a, a line segment, uh, because again, you have a better understanding of what everyone needs to see in this uh, exchange throughout to, throughout the sale like a lot of times um as jobbers a lot of times you know we're guilty of just putting our hand out to manufacturers and saying you know fund this sponsor this um with no real um grasp of what that manufacturer needs to see in return and what they're trying to accomplish um so i i think it, it does give you the the bigger picture um to and then it'll it's easier to do these kind of grand things and programs because uh, it's a win-win for everybody for sure for sure so what's your, uh, you know, if you were to, to talk to somebody, uh, you know, from the outside, given the current situation out there and, and uh, you know, maybe they're a little bit younger than you uh, and, and we're thinking, hey, you know, I'm not a tech. I don't really want to own a shop. There's other businesses, you know, there, you know, that I might want to someday own. I mean, where where would you tell them to start? Well, there's a, a couple sides of that. So my old spiel to the schools was also. Uh, that this is just a great industry and i think you know and you, you know your previous guests on, on your show um and the amount of time you spent like the, the people in this industry are 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 kind of what keeps us all here um top to bottom and and at whatever level we've got uh, it's a great industry that way so i used to do the spiel of um you got to work somewhere so even if you wanted to be this this was where i took it if you wanted to be an accountant if you wanted to be you know these certain jobs you could do those follow that path but in this industry and so we used to used to try to kind of lead people that way. And then from there, I mean, doors open and things change and opportunities arise. But, um, it, you know, it didn't have to be that you were a technician or a parts guy to, to get into this industry. And if that wasn't your ultimate goal, um, there were still lots of jobs uh, in, available in Canada. Right. It's a it's a huge piece of our, our economy. Right. So, yeah, even even, uh, you know, I say not from what I call the traditional aftermarket paths, uh, that might not be something that, uh, you know, even if you just wanted to look at it as a cold, hard uh, investment opportunity down the road or entrepreneurial opportunity down the road and you didn't have even, a, you know, a particular affinity for, for automotive or the aftermarket. You know, I know that m most people in this industry do, but there are certainly exceptions uh, who come up just from the financial side and say, hey, this is this is a good investment. This this is a place where I can park my money and 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 uh, you know make it grow. Uh, so you know there there's kind of no limits on on what pathway one chooses, right? It's that's true. Um, it's a good industry that way um, for sure. Um, my caution 
we are kind of a, it's an overserviced industry and it it is a little challenging um like it's it's quite complex when you talk about the number of vehicles and and the idea uh, and the infrastructure and behind the scenes of wh- what goes on to get uh, so it's a it's it's hard to come into uh, totally cold um you do want to uh, get your head around this industry so it's it's a little different than in opening a subway and then you just you start selling stuff or or, or any other chain right that there's a little more to this and i've watched some people unfortunately like learn that the hard way um through the years and uh, but for the most part no it's uh, it's been pretty stable um, right. So that right. would be, I guess that's my one caution to no, to but, sure, uh, sure. investment wise, the, the other, the other side of the investment uh, or just that it's a good solid business is, you know, I think COVID has taught us if anything else. I mean, um, I really feel for a lot of businesses out there that, you know, through no fault of their own, they could be you know, very good, astute business people that put their, um, you know, put, put, put everything on the line to get to have their business. And uh, it, it's, it's, basically ruined on them for you know nothing that anyone could foresee or control uh and again the fact that we are you know i lean on that essential service thing a lot um in fact our our annual t-shirt giveaway this year you know we highlighted that we commission an artist every year to do a shirt that we give away to our clients and uh, this year it's got the essentials like superheroes our, our industry is definitely essential we've learned that through this um and and other industries don't have that same uh, benefit where they're they're relevant through all t- things. So we're very important, uh, which then translates to just a pretty good business model. Perfect. Perfect. Good stuff. That's like, well, Zara, thank you for joining me today. As I mentioned at the outset, I thought it was uh, important to, again, reiterate and reinforce that it is a, a, a market with competition for sure. And and one that is, is uh, you know, not a given not easy money, but it is a certainly a sound investment for those willing to put the time and work and position it properly and 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 really provide the the proper level of service. They can, you know, have a stand a pretty decent chance of of, of making a, a go of it. Obviously, you know, uh, you've taken over a pretty well entrenched business, one that you've worked at for a dozen or so years, and you know, looking forward uh, to uh, many more down the road. I'm sure, right? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a good ride for sure. Excellent. All right, thank you, Zara, and thank you everybody else for spending some time with us today. Remember the aftermarket; it's a, it's a great business to be in. If you have the great opportunity to become an owner and in a great operation, then that's something that that's worth a, a good look at. Everybody, uh, have a great day. Be safe. Be strong. And join us next time. Thanks, Andrew. Stay safe. <laughs>